Welcome to this podcast from the Vessel Collective Church here in the heart of Texas. Our mission is to be vessels of the living Christ, set apart for His purpose and His kingdom. We thank you for sharing in this message here today. Amen. And that is such a good word, Jacob, and such a sweet reminder to us about just the Christ and then the coming of Jesus that he came down and he walked on this earth and he walked amongst us. And as you guys likely know, and as we talked about with our students that came up and lit our Advent candle, we are in a, uh, a series of Advent for the, the, for the four weeks of Christmas. And so <clears throat> Advent, the, the literal translation of Advent, what it means is the arrival. It is, the, it is the, the coming or the arrival of the Christ, and it is sweet to remember that. And there's a lot of, for me, I grew up in church, and I grew up in a very traditional uh, Methodist church that I really loved, and there were things about it that I didn't always love, but one of the things that, I, that was really significant to me was during Christmas season and at Christmas time and how special and significant that was for me. And it just, uh, even as a kid, my favorite part of Christmas, and even as a kid, my favorite, um, my favorite part of our Christmas tradition was going to a, uh, our Christmas Eve service uh, every, every year. And I know it's crazy because you think a kid, you remember opening gifts or Santa coming and that sort of thing. But really, even as a kid, I loved that Christmas Eve service. It was so significant, so meaningful to me. And so when we started and we planted uh, the church and, and we became vessel and I, I stepped in and be- became a pastor and we had our very first Christmas that rolled around, people pastors warned me, they're like, don't do a Christmas Eve service. Like, don't do it, because you can never go back. Once you do a Christmas Eve service, you can never stop doing it. And they're like, just wait, just wait. How I wish I didn't have to be at church and be doing that on Christmas Eve. And you know me, I was like, no way, I love Christmas Eve. We're definitely doing it. And so we have, and I still love it to this day. And I remember, uh, I was probably a I don't know, maybe a sophomore, junior, senior in high school, and my grandfather uh, had Alzheimer's. And it was that time, it was that if you've ever known someone to walk through and, and to, to have Alzheimer's, you know what that looks like and what the transitions and what those stages are like. And I remember one Christmas Eve where we walked out, and we, uh, my grandfather's name is Martin K. Toman II. My dad's name is Martin K. Toman III. My brother is Martin K. Toman IV. But for my grandpa, we called him Toby. That's what everyone called him. And I remember this Christmas Eve, we walked out of the little chapel after doing the candlelight, and Toby, the Alzheimer's, it was, it was getting to him, and he had on, he had on two different shoes. Like he had on a black shoe and a brown shoe, and we laughed at him. We were like, oh, you have two different shoes on. But then he walked in front of us as we were leaving, and his belt, he, his shirt was tucked in. His belt went through the first belt loop, and then it kind of went up and around his back and then through the last belt loop. <laughs> he just, that was good enough. You know, the first and the last and the belt was all up. And it was just, and we laughed about that. But I just, this time of year is so significant to me and so special to me. And I love Advent. And I think it's, it's so powerful and it's easily to, easy to get distracted by that. The enemy, it's amazing how the enemy uses the things that are most important, most cherished, most significant, and how he can twist and manipulate those things for us. Um, and so 
Maybe you're here this morning and Christmas is painful for you. Maybe the way you experience church or the way that you were brought up, um, that Christmas isn't a good time. Maybe you've had a family member that you've lost um, recently and you're mourning that loss. Maybe this, this Christmas is just with busyness and you have kids and you're trying to wrap up work and figuring that out and, and, and trying to make it all happen and you're stressed and you're busy. And so what the enemy does is he takes this thing and he hijacks it from us and he can, he can try to steal those things and manipulate and twist. And so this past week has been really busy for Shay and I. And, and as we walk in this morning, our focus is on anticipation as, as Jacob mentioned, and as we read through the scripture in Luke chapter 2, it's this idea and focus on anticipation. And so each week of Advent, we're focusing on a different theme or a different word. And they're not, uh, they're not necessarily the most traditional Christmas Advent-y type words, right? We could do faith, hope, and love, and all, you know, all these sort of things. But we, we started last week with this idea uh, of... Um, what repentance? Joe taught on repentance last week, and I know that that doesn't feel very Christmassy. This idea of repentance, and then this week we've been focusing on anticipation. So I would encourage you um, to really engage in this Advent season with us as a church. And so the way that we're doing it is the week of Advent is beginning not on Sunday, but it's beginning on Monday. So today is the last day of the second week of Advent for us. And that's, again, different how it's normally done. It normally begins on Sunday. We light the candle and then focus. But what we, what kind of our hearts in prayer was is that as we, would, or as we were coming in as a church and coming into Sunday morning, that there would be something that we'd be focused on. And so um, we are using our blog uh, to have, we have several things. We've got a scripture reading every week both uh, a scripture reading from the Old Testament and from the New Testament. Then we've got a devotional that's written by different people in our church. Jessica wrote the devotional this week on anticipation. Logan has written the devotional next week um, in, in that focus. Are we focusing on joy? Is that what you wrote about? Joy begins tomorrow. And, so, and then there's an activity for you to do. So the activity this past week was to give a gift. And admittedly, um, I was working, doing work last night at a coffee shop, uh, and I realized I had not given a gift. I had not given a gift. And so immediately I was like, I need to give a gift. I'm, I'm asking the church to engage in the process. I thought about it, and so I need to give a gift. So I went up to the register. I was like, hey, can I get a $10 gift card to your coffee shop? He's like, yeah. So he put $10 in the card. And I walked over to this guy, and I was like, hey, do you come here often? He's like, yeah, come here some. I was like, hey, here's a, here's a gift card for you for the coffee shop. He was like, oh, man, thanks. I was like, no, I just wanted you to have it. And then he was like, oh, yeah, I, he's part of the Methodist church down the street. And I'm like, of course, I found the one Christian in the coffee shop to, you know, I want to be like, give me that back. Like, are you a Christian? Let me give this gift to you. But the, the, this anticipation, and so this week, this next week is joy, and I am asking you and, and encouraging you to, to engage in that, that, I, that, that Monday morning, the, the blog post that will go live at 5 a.m. tomorrow, and it will have the scripture reading, it will have the devotional, and it will have the activity. And so uh, I know some of you out there that you wake up in the morning, the first thing you do is you look at your phone. And you probably go to some sort of social media, 
you go to email, whatever it is, probably social media, and you look at it. So I'm asking you tomorrow morning when you wake up to go to vessel.church slash blog, B-L-O-G, www.vessel.church slash blog, and to read the, read the scripture and to start this week with this idea of joy. And so as we are finishing up anticipation, I've thought about that. And as, as I mentioned, I have all these memories of Christmas and what it looks like to anticipate things. And so this week has been a really busy week for Shay and I and our family. Last week, she was gone in Nicaragua, and she was doing a mission trip there. And so that means I was home with our three kids, and it was busy at the house. And so it's crazy because that makes for a really hard two weeks in a row for us. Because not only are we really busy when she's gone on her trip, and it's not a leisure trip, they're super busy, and they're going from 6 a.m. to midnight every day, and then I'm home alone, and I'm trying to work and do Mr. Mom. But then we come back from her, the week she's in Nicaragua, and now we just had these really busy, exhausting weeks, and now we're both behind. And so we walked in this week behind, and I, I literally, I had too many things to do. I had too many things to do this week, and I could not get them all done, and so I'm trying to prioritize them. Well, then Monday morning, Shay wakes up, and she's sick, and not just like runny nose, cough, cough. She's like legit sick. I'm like, you were just gone. You were just gone. I need you, and so she was sick, but uh, I mean, uh, and so she was sick, and so I'm trying to help her and make sure she gets time to heal, and then, and, and to get and feel better. We've got something on Friday night. We've got something all day Saturday. I'm teaching on Sunday morning. And now Shay is sick. And then uh, on Wednesday, I'm being a good dad. And so I pick up the kids on Wednesday and I take them to the skate park. Sloan has a skateboard and she loves a skateboard. So I take them to the skate park and I'm being a good dad. I'm reading my Bible and trying to do work while they're there. And then right at the end, Sloan falls and she breaks her arm. I'm like, oh, no, this is not good. I'm really busy this week, and I can't have this. This is inconvenience. I got to take it. And so I looked out. I was like, you're fine. It's good. It's just a sprain. So she went to bed that night, and then the next day she woke up. I was like, yeah, I think it might be broken. So then I, that next day I'm taking her out to the trainer in Liberty Hill. He's looking at her arm. And as I'm taking her out there, I'm meeting lunch Bo McKinney, and I lock my keys in my truck. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So I'm going out. I've got a broken arm. We're going to see a doctor. I'm trying, and I'm, I'm, I literally break into my car with a coat hanger to pop the lock uh, on my car. And I, so, like, I had a busy week. I couldn't do it all, and now I'm dealing with my stupidity on multiple levels, and I'm just realizing that right now. But it's robbing me of all these things. And, and so I know, like, I'm telling you how busy I am, and I know you're thinking, me too. I know you're thinking, well, you haven't heard my week and the week that I had and the week that I have coming up. And we're all like that. And we've all got something that takes that away. And so anticipation, the definition of anticipation that we're going to look at this morning is that it's an emotion involving pleasure or anxiety in considering or awaiting an expectation or an expected event. So I'll say that again. Anticipation is an emotion involving pleasure or anxiety in considering or awaiting an expectation or an expected event. And a lot of times we don't think about anticipation as negative, but a lot of times it is. And for me, I've been anticipating getting through today. I've been getting, getting through Sunday, I will be good. We've got all this craziness going on. We've been sick, I've broken arms, all that sort of stuff. I can just get to Monday 
And so what I'm anticipating is negative. And, and, and anticipation in the negative, it just means dreading something. And so I don't know if you're like that, if there's something going on in your life. And we, we tend to focus and make those things really big. Maybe, maybe you're anticipating, man, if I could just get through Christmas, if I could just get to the holiday season, if I could just, you know, get this final, final thing paid off and I can pay off this debt, or if I can just get to the point where uh, we're married and we have this relationship, then things will be good. And then, man, I can't wait until we have kids or our kids are older or our kids are out of the house or our kids are adults and can pay for their own stuff or whatever it is. Like we anticipate, we wish life away. And for us, anticipation looks like dreading something that's really hard. And so uh, this morning, I want us to look at what it looks like for us to anticipate Jesus. And not just to anticipate the baby Jesus, baby in a manger and the coming Christ and anticipate the celebration that is Christmas morning. But how do we anticipate Jesus in our daily lives? How are we anticipating the good things that God is doing for us? And so I'm going to cheat if it's okay, and I'm just going to put our scripture, so our two scriptures for Advent that we're talking about this morning are Isaiah 40. No? I don't have any slides. Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 5. You can write that down and look it up. And then the second is Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 38, which is what Jacob and them read. And so we're going to look at anticipation, and I'm going to tell you the four points of my sermon. There they are, Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 5, and Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 38. So those are the two things that we're going to be focusing on this morning in the context of anticipation. And then I'm going to give you my four points of my sermon, and just in case I get really distracted, and it is, yes, Lindsay? First is that, there it is, anticipation is an emotion, anticipation is an expectation, Anticipation is spirit-led, and anticipation is faithfulness. And so we're going to look at these scriptures and see what it tells us about anticipation in our lives. And, and so I, I just wanted to give that to you up front because, like I said, I had a busy week. And so the thing that kept getting booted down the road was the thing that was last, and that was today. So if I get way distracted, you have your four points. So that's why I'm cheating this morning. But uh, I want to ask you a couple questions. And, and again, um, and for you to consider in the anticipation in your own life and during this time and when it comes to Jesus is first, are you emotionally invested in your relationship with Jesus? To consider that for yourself. Are you emotionally invested in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Think about in the context of a relationship and my wife, right? If I'm not an emotionally invested husband when it comes to Shay and I, I'm a bad husband, right? To have a real intimate, loving, genuine relationship, you're emotionally invested, especially if you're a man in this room, you, you, are, you are jaded and worn down by the world that emotion is weakness, and I will tell you this, is that, that, is that anger is an emotion. So if there's any dad in this room or any man in this room that struggles with anger or rage, that is an emotion. It's just a negative emotion. So don't act like you're not emotional because you are. Second question for you to consider is, do you have expectations when it comes to the Lord? When you think about the Lord in your life, do you have expectations 
Are you expecting something of him, from him? And what does that look like? Do you expect, or are there expectations on yourself? When it comes to you and Jesus, are you expecting more so, I'm expecting that I'm gonna mess it up, that I'm gonna be a failure, that I'm gonna let him down, that I'm gonna continue to struggle? Are you expecting God to do something incredible in your life? Those are two things to, to uh, consider. And so the, the first principle being this idea of anticipation is an emotion. If you remember the definition that I chose for anticipation said, it is an emotion involving pleasure or anxiety. First and foremost, anticipation is an emotion. In Isaiah chapter 40, we see that emotion being really important. And so, just to give you a little context of Isaiah chapter 40, we'll have the scripture up on the screen, but if you want to look it up in your Bible, is Isaiah is a really interesting Old Testament prophetic book. Isaiah is a prophet, and it is so deep and so rich and so interesting. And so for the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, the first 39 chapters of Isaiah are warnings and judgments, basically. There's goodness in it too, don't get me wrong, but it's a lot of warnings and judgments, that there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of talking about what God's going to do, and judgment and and warnings. And in, in Isaiah chapter 40, there's a sharp turn. And so what scholars and theologians and people that are smarter than me say, and what they call this portion of Isaiah is the messianic portion of the book of the Bible, of, of, of this book, Isaiah. So in chapter 40, it takes its turn. It, tur- it goes to this messianic por- uh, portion, which means they're prophecies about the coming Messiah. And it means that, that Isaiah, beginning in chapter 40, begins to prophesy about this Savior, about the Christ, about the Messiah. And its anticipation is baked in. It's baked in. And so right here you look at the very first verse of chapter 40, and it starts with this. It says, comfort, comfort my people. So again, for 39 chapters, there's been a lot of warnings and a lot of judgment And the very first verse in this Messianic portion is comfort, comfort. My people, says your God, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, and that she has received from the Lord's hand double from all her sins. And I believe the first two verses there, comfort, comfort, is a message and a word for someone here this morning, someone in this room is that it's so important, it's so significant that he says it twice, comfort, comfort. And it's this emotional thing. So this, this past week, um, another one of the things that I had that came up that was unexpected is I went to uh, a funeral for a 21-year-old girl this past week. And on Wednesday night was the visitation. Uh, and I've known this family for, for many years. I knew this girl. I had her in my class when she was a middle schooler. I've known this girl since she was a sixth grader when I was a teacher and coach. And at 21 years old, she gets in an auto accident. Her life is gone. And I just, I mean, I just broke my heart. And so we went to this visitation. And if you've ever been to Beck's Funeral Home off, or off of 620, the line is out the door. I mean, we waited in line almost an hour just to, to go and see her family. And just, I mean, it was just an outpouring of love. But I, I got a card and I wrote, I'm writing to her family. And I don't know, I don't, I don't have the words. They're not the words 
that, that, that can be said that make it okay. There's nothing about that that's right, that's okay, that's understandable. There's nothing that I can say or no words, or no, nothing that I can do that can make that situation okay. This family is brokenhearted, and it's not okay. It's not okay. And so I, I just, I was reminded this week as I was preparing for this, is this, look at Isaiah, this comfort, comfort. Is that every one of our lives, we need comfort from the Lord. And that this anticipation of what Jesus is doing is he is this comforter. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul writes this about uh, comfort. He says, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. The God of all comfort. And so I want you to know that if you're, if you're not an emotional person and you're thinking about anticipation and think about your relationship with Jesus, I want you to know that, that anticipation is an emotion. And I want you to be emotionally invested in the Lord and emotionally anticipating what he's doing in your life. The second thing I, the second thing I think is really important from this first uh, little section in Isaiah chapter 40 is that anticipation is also an expectation. So anticipation is a comfort, but it's also an expectation. And I love verse 2, and I love how uh, the King James Version reads. And Maddie Parker does not like when I read King James Version, but I don't care. And if you look at verse 2 here in Isaiah chapter 40, the King James Version reads like this, uh, and this idea of an expectation. It says, speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. And listen to this, so that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. And when we anticipate God, it, it, it means that we're anticipating him to do God-sized things. If we're anticipating the Lord in our lives, we are anticipating for him to do God-sized things, things that are beyond us, things are things that we can't do on our own. If you're not anticipating that from the Lord, if you don't have expectations for God in your life, you don't need him. If everything you're expecting him to do is something that you can accomplish on your own, then you don't need God. You need to work harder. You don't need to be distracted by some God and some Savior. You just need to buckle down and work hard and do the things that you need to do. Or are you expecting him to do God-sized thing? And the scripture says that her iniquity is pardoned. For she hath received the Lord's hand double for all her sins. That word double, what that means, it doesn't mean like twice as much or a double portion. The, the, the word double literally means, it means like uh, to fold over or to fold in half. I know that's strange, but it's like, it's like your double. It's like your opposite. So when it comes to our sin, it means that all of our sin, all of our iniquities, it's all pardoned because there's a there's, there's, there's a double of that. There's a mirror of that when it comes to the Lord and his forgiveness. It's completely covered. It's completely paid for. His blood was sufficient for every single one of them. And it's literally like if you took a piece of paper, you took your Bible, and when you close it, it's the other side of that. And the other side of iniquity and sin and brokenness in our lives and the wages of sin being death. 
is, is salvation in Jesus Christ. It's his blood. It's been paid for. So I want you to know in, our, in your own life, do you, do you struggle in sin? And is your expectation that you're just a failure? That you're just not good enough? That, that you're just, you'll never get there? Or are you expecting God to do God-sized things? Because when we focus on our failures and we're expecting ourselves, what we do is we take the attention, our expectation off of Christ, and we put it onto ourselves. We think, I'm just a filthy old dirty scoundrel that'll never be good for nothing, right? And what you're not doing is you're not expecting God to do God-sized things. And let's switch over to Luke chapter 2. Because I think there's, there's some good truth here. And, I, and instead of reading all of this, uh, I'm just going to bump through a few portions of this. Uh, because Jacob uh, and Jaden came and read uh, that scripture for us. And if you are listening online and you're not here right now, Luke 2, 22 through 38. And I'm going to pull out a few verses in here. And so he, it's an interesting verse for us to choose when we think about anticipation, about the anticipation of Christ or an advent. And so we could have, we could have, there's a lot that we could have chosen. And Luke 2 is the Christmas story, but this is the second, the second half of that chapter. And it tells about two people. It tells about this man named Simeon and this, this woman named Anna. And so uh, the scripture tells about these two people, and I think that we can look at them and look at the anticipation which they lived with and find truth of of it for us. And the first is this man named Simeon. In verse 25 in Luke chapter 2, it says this. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem, Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. So here is Mary and Joseph, and they've taken baby Jesus. They've taken to consecrate him at the temple courts, as was custom and as was tradition, is what they were uh, supposed to do as good Jewish people. And so here's this man, Simeon. It says that he was righteous and devout. And it says the Lord told him something. It says the Spirit was on him. And it says that the Lord revealed to him, the Spirit revealed to him that he would not die before seeing the Savior, before seeing the Christ and the Messiah, that he would, his life would not end before this moment. And so the Spirit prompted him, and he went to the temple, and there was Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. And so imagine them coming in. They've got their like six-day-old or however old baby, and they bring him in the temple courts, and there's this old uh, crazy, devout, religious, righteous man that comes over and just takes their baby up and blesses them and says that, that, that who this is, and this is the Messiah, and he's going to be the Savior of the world and the Savior of God's people. Think about how affirming that was for, for Mary and Joseph that, that heard all this from the angels. Like, I think, right? I think that, that wasn't like postpartum or anything like that. I think that was real. I'm sure that was real. And here it is, and the Lord confirms it. But I want us to look at Simeon and look at how his what it looked like with his anticipation, because I believe that anticipation is spirit-led. And here's what we know about Simeon. If, if, if we look at the scripture, four things. First of, first of all, the spirit was on him. It says right there in scripture, the Holy Spirit was on him. Second, the, the spirit revealed to him. It says it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. 
And third, the Spirit moved in him. It says, moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. And so I think it's really important that we understand our lives, that as we think about anticipation and Advent, that we're participating, we're doing all the right things, we're going to church, we're reading the scripture, we're doing the little activity, even if it's the last minute and you're buying a gift card for someone because you've been lazy all week, and we're doing all the things, we're checking all of our Christian boxes, boop, 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 boop. And, and I, I wonder, where is the Spirit leading us in that? Because, because it, says, it says to Simeon, the Spirit is on him. The Spirit is not on you. The Spirit is in you. Right? And that's one difference. If you call yourself a Christian and a Christ follower, if you have said yes to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you profess in your mouth and believe in your heart that he is Lord and he went to the cross and died for your sins, then the Holy Spirit lives within you. It lives in you. And so if, if that's crazy to you, I want you to know to, to, that you need to embrace that, to anticipate that the Spirit is alive in you uh, just as it was on Simeon, as the Spirit fell on him and moved him. The second thing is that the, that it re, the Lord revealed to him. This, it says the Spirit revealed to him that he wouldn't die before seeing the Messiah. And for us, in anticipation, we need to be anticipating and listening to the Spirit that's within us. What is it telling us? What is it putting us putting on our hearts? How does it lead us? And I know that's hard to do. And that is a learned behavior, and that is a discipline, and that's part of following Jesus Christ is trusting that the spirit that's within, inside of you is revealing things to you, and it happens different for all of us. For me, it, it is when I'm in quiet time and the Lord will, will put things on my heart and the Lord will confirm it with Scripture. That's how I know it's Him. As he puts it in my heart and He impresses something on me, and, and, I, and it's it jumps out of Scripture at me. Not that I have to go and find, and is this biblical? It's like the next thing that I read in Scripture is like the exact thing. I'm like, okay, Lord, I get it. It happens in community. It happens in community. Shay and I are making a big life decision right now that, uh, for us, and it's a Spirit-led decision about what we're to do, how we're to be obedient, and that's a really hard thing because we look at all the, if we look at everything, that all the data and the earthly data, this is a bad decision. We should not do this, right? Financially, we can't. But, we, but it's been prompting us in the Spirit. And so we're sharing that with one another. We're praying together. We're talking about what God is prompting us. And then finally, it says that the Spirit moved him. And we know what that's like when God prompts or moves you to do something. And I know that a lot of times what we do is we hesitate. And I want you to imagine... What if Simeon hesitated? What if he hesitated? So the Spirit was on him. The Spirit revealed to him that he would see the Savior before he died. He's an old man. And it says the Spirit moved. He says, moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. What if he didn't go? As, as Mary and Joseph were bringing Jesus to the temple to be consecrated to the Lord, if Simeon said, well, now it's not a good time. I was at the temple earlier. I'll go tomorrow. Let me check my calendar this week. Yeah, later in the week, I've got time. I'll, I'll, fit, I'll pencil in the temple. If he'd have done that, what would happen? He would have never seen the Messiah. He would have never 
seen his promise from the Lord. And I'm not, I'm, there's no fear mongering here. I'm not trying to tell you that, oh, you've got one chance. And if God moved on you, you didn't do it, you're too bad. You don't see the Savior. God, the, God doesn't work like that. Great, good, good news for us is he is gracious and he is a God of second chances. And he continues to move and continues to move and continues to move. But I want to encourage you that when the Spirit moves you to move, right? When he moves you to go, to not hesitate, not wait, not sit down and draw out a pros and cons list. Is this a good idea? I mean, I'm not saying for you to make irrational decisions, but if God is prompting you to do something, he's prompting you to move, he is not moving you into danger. He's moving you into goodness. And he's moving you into promises. And he's moving you into purpose. And he's moving you into life. So anticipation is spirit-led. And it, the, the Lord, our hearts yearn for him. Our hearts yearn for something more. The second person here is this woman named Anna. Uh, and, and the truth here is that in the last point, and what we can learn from her is that anticipation is faithfulness. And so we read here in verse 36, there was also a prophet Anna. Uh, she was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, 37, and then was a widow until she was 84 years old. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at the very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So here's a woman that was married, that was widowed, and she's given her life to the, to the Lord is that she's committed herself to being uh, in, the, in the temple courts and being at the temple. And so here she is, like she is day after day after day after day. And I read in commentary, I was listening to a theologian this week that said that they anticipate she was in her 90s. So here's this woman, she's 90 years old, that, that, that day after day she's been faithful to stand the Lord. And look at the things that she was doing. It says that she worshiped night and day, First of all, she was a worshiper. Next, it says that she fasted. She, she was someone that fasted. And what fasting means is it means to deny the flesh for the sake of the spirit. To deny the flesh for the sake of the spirit. It's denying that with what your flesh desires and yearns for for the sake of your spirit growing. In Scripture, and we, we can go down a deep rabbit trail, and I won't go too far, far down it, but a little bit, is that the spirit and your, your flesh and your spirit cannot coexist. That is not, they, they don't live together harmoniously, one hand in hand with the other. When one thrives, the other one dies. When one grows, the other shrinks. And so we are in this constant tug of war with our lives, with our spirit and our flesh, our spirit and our flesh, and our spirit and our flesh. And when we give into the flesh, we're taking from the spirit. And when we give to the spirit, it means that we take from the flesh. And I'm not trying to say that you, you, should, you should fast all the time and, and you should be like this woman, Anna, that day and night in the temple courts. I mean, you can and, and, and more power to you if that's what God is calling you to do. But don't come here because people will be playing basketball in here. But find another temple uh, to be there day and night. But point being is that, that it's, fasting is this, is this denying flesh for the sake of the Spirit. So not only was she a worshiper, but she fasted. And she prayed. She prayed. As Jacob led us through that song, uh, just have a talk with God. 
right? As it's a Stevie Wonder song. It's so simple. If you're struggling, if you're broken, if you're, if, if you, if you're lost, talk to God. You don't even have to be a Christian, right? He wants to talk to you. It's not like he's there and says, when you accept Christ, then I'll talk to you. Or when you get your life straight, then, I'll, then come back to me and we can talk. No, just talk to God. You don't have to overcomplicate. And that was what she did. And the last thing is it says she gave thanks. She gave thanks. And I'm telling you, if you want to grow in your faith, if you want to grow in your faith in relationship with Jesus Christ in 2000 and 2020, do these things. Worship, fast, pray, and give thanks. I promise you, if you do those four things this next year, that's all you have to do. You can stop taking notes. You're free to go. If you just write those four things down and say, I'm going to do that this next year. I'm going to worship the Lord with my life. Not on Sunday mornings. Not because I like the song or I don't like the song. Every single day with everything part of me with who I am, that I'm a living sacrifice, a worshiper to the Lord, that I'm going to fast. I'm going to deny those things that distract me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get off social media. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a, once a week, I'm going to fast from food, whatever it is, to fast for the sake of the Spirit. I'm going to pray to God every single day, every moment. My life is going to be a continuous prayer. And I'm going to be thankful no matter what's going on, I'm going to give thanks. And the thing that I'm proudest about my nine-year-old daughter is, is her relationship with the Lord. And it's amazing to me, a nine-year-old, how deep and real her relationship with Jesus is. See, here she is. She breaks her arm. And she should have been mad at me. I told her to go down this ramp that maybe was too steep. She breaks her arm. And that day that we go to the hospital, I pull her from school, and she's in pain, it hurts. She's just like, Daddy, I'm so thankful for today because we got to see her uncle that day. We drove up to Liberty Hill to see his doctor. And the trans- she's like, I'm so thankful for today. If I didn't break my arm, I wouldn't have gotten to see Uncle Blakey today. And if I didn't break my arm, I wouldn't have got to be with you today. And I'm excited about my cast. You think they can do red and green? Like, man, that's what thankful is, right? That's, that's deep that she gets that, and, it, and that she understands those things. And listen to this. Because of this woman's faithfulness, because of being there every day and doing these things, that she got to see the Lord. She got to see the Savior. And I'm not saying God is not withholding anything from you. He's not waiting for your faithfulness before he shows himself to you. But the truth is, she wasn't moved by the Spirit. Simeon was. Simeon was moved by the Spirit to go to the temple court. She was not. She was just there. Because of her faithfulness, she got to see Jesus. So as we close this morning, I'm going to pray for us. And and what I want to encourage you is to engage in the Advent season. You've got 10 days left until Christmas Day. And I know if you're like me, you've got a million and one things to do. But I want to encourage you to be someone who anticipates. And don't just anticipate a baby that's in a manger, but anticipate the Lord in your life. Be emotionally invested when it comes to Jesus. Emotionally invested. 
have expectations of God. That is okay. That is good. That is healthy. And expect God to do what only God can do. And trust him for that. Let the Spirit lead you as you anticipate things in your life, as, you're, you, as you exercise that during this season, to listen to the Spirit, to take time to just press pause, to be quiet, however you hear from the Lord. Maybe you love to run, and maybe you go for a run, and God speaks you that way. I think the devil speaks to me when I run. I hate it. But maybe that's you. Maybe God speaks to you that way. Maybe it's being out in nature Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's being with, with, with your family, I, you know, but find how the Spirit leads you and allow Him to lead your anticipation and to anticipate that. And finally, be faithful because it's easy to be a Christian and it's easy to follow Jesus when things are going good. It's easy to follow Jesus when you see Him working, but what about when you don't see Him working? What about when you, when you don't see Him active in your life? That that's what faithfulness is. It's a practice. It's a rhythm. It becomes who you are. Let's stand and let me pray. Thank y'all for being here this morning. Jesus, I thank you for the coming Christ. God, I thank you that we have a time of year called Christmas. For many of us in this room, many of us around the world, God, that Christmas is our favorite time of the year. And there's a time that we celebrate a baby in a manger, God, that was given for our sake. God, as Jacob prayed up front, God, that you came down, that you walked among us, that you made a way where there was no way for us, and we thank you for that, God. And I just pray for people that are far from you, Jesus, people that are far from God, God, that you would move on them during this time, during this season. God, in any, in any way that you can, whether it's a the Christmas song or a memory or a, or a Christmas Eve service that they, they go to, God, that you would move on them. Jesus, I pray for the lost and the broken and the hurting right now. I pray for the family that lost a 21-year-old daughter that is brokenhearted, and hurting. There are many of us here, God, many of us in our community and our families that this time of the year brings pain and brings sorrow. And so I just pray, Jesus, that you comfort them. As Isaiah 1 says, comfort, comfort. God, that you comfort them, that you are the God 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that you are the God of all comfort, Jesus, and that you be that for them. And God, I just pray for these last 10 days for us as we engage in Advent. God, not as a ritual, not as a practice, but to engage with you with our minds and with our hearts and with ourselves every single day to you're the rival of Jesus. So we thank you for this morning. We pray these things in your name. Amen. We thank you for listening today and pray that you are blessed by this message. We invite you to join with us on Sundays or connect with us at our website, vessel.church.